0: Hi guys, welcome back. This is Nick. This is Faye. And this is
1: Creags Over Coffee. Coffee.
0: Well, it's been in the news recently, so I'm sure all of you have heard, but we've got finally the final episode, perhaps, in the student loan saga. Um, And welcome back to the podcast, Mike Foley, to take us through it.
2: Awesome. Thanks again
0: for having me back
1: all right, so as you guys know, Michael is a comprehensive financial advisor who runs his practice out of Scottsdale, Arizona, under North Star Resource Group. Michael was trained at Duke University and holds his certified financial planner designation alongside his certified student loan professional designation. Although Michael serves a diverse group of clients with their financial and student loan needs with two physician parents, Michael has found a specialty in working with those in the healthcare space. Michael is a registered representative and investment advisor, representative of secure and financial services, securities, and investment advisory services offered through Secure and Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC. North Star Resource Group is independently owned and operated. 6720 North Scottsdale Road, Suite 290 in Scottsdale, Arizona. 85253. And financial professionals do not provide tax or legal advice, and this should not be considered as such. Please consult a tax or legal professional for advice regarding your specific situation. All right, Michael. So uh, like Nick said, welcome back. We're going to be talking more about some student loans updates. So what are our specific learning objectives for today?
2: Sure. So, you know, with all these updates, you know, I want to make sure that we kind of go over what are the latest updates, as there's definitely been been a good, good number of them. And then, want to talk about, you know, what should you be doing before the loans turn back on here in this fall? And then, you know, during a lot of these uh, changes, there's opened up a few loopholes. So, you know, what should you be looking out for during that time? So those are those are kind of what we want to focus on today.
0: All right. So we in OBGYN are Unfortunately, kind of familiar at this point with the cycle of Supreme Court decisions. Um, but this term just came to an end. And this time, instead of being the Dobbs decision, the big decision that affects us, it sounds like is student loans. And they're, they're back on. It sounds like, Mike.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> they are coming back on. So they, uh, they made it illegal for them to push out the forbearance again. Um, and so interest is going to be starting up in September with payments to be uh, resuming back in October. So uh, the way that they word it, you know, it, technically, we would think that payments would be starting in September, but technically they say interest starts in September, payments to resume in October. So we're recommending that you rely on your loan servicer to give you the exact details of when your payment is going to be due. But that is uh, current guidelines of when, when to be expected. And in September, October is when I'd really be keeping my eye on this now that we have the Supreme Court decision. And knowing that, um, you know, unfortunately, we're not going to be getting that $10,000 to $10, $10, $20,000 forgiveness um, through the, the Biden Forgiveness Program. But um, this, really, this whole Supreme Court decision still does not impact the public service loan forgiveness program at all. Um, a lot of people see forgiveness in the new and, uh, assign that to the public service loan forgiveness program, but they are completely separate programs. So just, uh, want to make sure people are, are clear on that though.
1: Awesome. So glad to know that, you know, the public service loan forgiveness rules are still active, uh, but there are some changes to those, right?
2: Yeah. So there are going to be some new, new rules that actually just took effect as of July here. And so, um, you know, there's a whole slew of them. A lot of them are going to be great for uh, a lot of the physicians in California and in Texas who will be able to get credit if they are contracted with the hospital and not able to be employed by the hospital system due to state law. Um, They could then actually get credit for PSLF. So uh, we still don't have full guidelines on exactly how that's going to play out. Um, But since the rules are active now, um, it's our understanding that we can submit public service loan forgiveness applications for that and let Mohella uh, or Mohila deal, deal with that and, um, and, and, and take, to see, play those new rules out. Um, you know, another big, big thing that we've seen as far as a change is that, um, and that hasn't quite gotten fleshed out yet, is being able to back pay for periods of time that you wish you weren't in a deferment or forbearance period. Um, they, according to the new rules, we will be able to look back at certain timeframes, and um, if they would, they're gonna assign you a kind of whatever your payment would have been during that time. You can stroke a check and get credited months for that time time. Um, Again, something that, uh, you know, it spoke to Mohila, you know, as early as a couple of weeks ago, and they still had no guideline guidance on exactly how that's going to play out. But definitely the new rules are in effect. So we should be able to stay on them on that. But um, one one of the biggest things kind of in this new change too, and just kind of related to the public service loan forgiveness program as well, because a lot of the people need to be on an income driven repayment plan during this time. But a lot of people when you actually were signing up for plan or if you're changing into a different income-driven repayment plan uh, they would experience what's called interest capitalization and so in layman's terms what this means is that your loans are accruing interest and uh, sometimes it accrues more interest than the payments that you're making and so we have what's called unpaid interest that gets added to this kind of in-between column Um, and if we actually uh, have capitalized our interest during some of these different events that gets added to your principal amount from there on out and then so effectively, you're earning interest on your interest, which is not a good thing. And so um, after July here, they said that they're not going to actually have capitalization of your interest upon changing repayment plans. So that's going to be another uh, a great addition that we can uh, use in our strategy. So that'll be a, a couple of the big things that we want to be keeping an, eye on, keeping an eye on for the folks in the public service programs.
0: Got it. And- Kind of going along the lines of those repayment plans and some of the things, it sounds like there's a new opportunity that's arisen with all of these changes in a new form of a repayment plan.
2: Yep, exactly. So they, uh, they they came out with this new plan. I think we might've touched on this in a previous episode that uh, they were gonna be calling it the re-repay plan, which I am very happy that some sort of marketing person over there came out with a new name for this plan. So it's not called the re-repay plan. It's actually called the SAVE plan, S-A-V-E. Um, and so it's actually gonna be replacing the revised pay as you earn plan. And so um, this is, you know, the revised pay as you earn plan has historically been kind of the default option for a lot of borrowers. If you chose not to t- pick a plan, that's the one you're going on. And so this is kind of the biggest the biggest repayment plan. Um, and it was a little bit concerning uh, from us as, you know, student loan professionals that they actually just changed an existing repayment plan without coming out with a new one. It's a little unsettling that they just tweaked it, but uh, nonetheless, you know, the, it's it's. Most uh, and most parts of this are all beneficial for for borrowers, and so i will just kind to go over some of the highlights of it, though. And so this, they're actually changing for this repayment plan specifically. They're changing the calculation for what they call discretionary income, which is how they derive what your payment is based off your household and your income. Um, and they're actually increasing the the threshold before your discretionary income kicks in, and so it's effectively going to lower your, everybody's payment. And uh, you know, it could be pretty considerable if you have higher, higher incomes and stuff too, So, or more kids or things like that. So uh, we're going to want to make sure that uh, you keep, keep an eye on that because that could, could lower your payment, which is great. Um, we're actually also back to t- talking about some of that unpaid interest. Um, historically on the repay plan, you would get half off of your unpaid interest. So in an example, if you're your loans are accruing $1,000 per month in interest just based off the amount of loans that you have. Let's say your payment that you're making on your income-driven plan is $500 in that month. There's $500 left over that goes unpaid. And in the it's old Revised Pays you Earn plan, they would actually chop that in half and they would give credit you $250. But in this new one, they're actually getting rid of unpaid interest entirely. So. That means that your loan, your loan balance can't is not going to go up, even if you're accruing more interest. Whatever your payment is, or if you have a zero dollar payment, that effectively means you have a zero percent interest loan for that time that you have a zero percent or zero dollar payment. So, um, huge change that uh, really opens up some new strategies that we'll talk about too. But um, another big one is that you can actually file your taxes separately from your spouse and still take advantage of a lot of these interest subsidies and isolate just your income in the mix. That this is one of the plans that historically will always take into account the household size, uh, the household income, even if you filed your taxes separately. But now if you file your taxes separately, they will be able to isolate that. So um Some of these, other there's some other uh, updates too that get a little bit more convoluted with a lot of people are seeing that, you know, oh, it's dropping down to 5% of discretionary income instead of 10% of my discretionary income for my payment amount. Um, But it's actually only 5% for undergrad loans. Um, so if most of our clients have bulk of their loans are medical school loans, and so if they're grad school loans, those are still going to be at 10%. But if you have a mixed bag of some of each, it's going to be kind of a weighted average. So it's going to be a minimal impact for most of our clients there. But, um, but The cool thing is that, you know, a lot of these changes are happening immediately. So, you know, the unpaid interest for those on repay, they're going to be automatically turned into the save plan and no interest will be turned on in September above what your payment is. So that's happening immediately. Um, Married borrowers can, you know, file, you know, if they file separately, they can isolate only their income on this revised, this new save plan, which is going to be huge too. But we're kind of concerned about some of those folks that if they're doing retail, calculations of this, you know, we're kind of unsure if there, you know, some some folks might see their payment drop, but there's some instances that, you know, maybe they, you know, they actually were reporting based off of a proportion of their income or reporting their income differently. And some people might actually see an increase in their payment through through this program. So we just wanna make sure people are keeping an eye on this as it turns out because um, that it's not positive for every single person, every single situation here. So definitely gotta keep an eye on this stuff.
1: There's also a few other changes too, right, Michael, in terms of um, like the pay as you earn program and the ICR programs.
2: Yeah, so that's a that's a big thing. So with this new save plan coming out, they are essentially getting rid of the old pay as you earn plan and the income contingent repayment plan. And so um, that's a big deal for for a lot of our clients, Um, you know, especially those might might be going for some of the longer term taxable forgiveness programs. Um, So a lot of our clients that it's really affecting mostly the people that have loans that were taken out prior to 2014 because that means that they don't qualify for this new income-based repayment plan. And if they have loans before then and they're going for the long-term taxable forgiveness, then they have to get onto the pay-as-you-earn plan prior to next summer. So if they get on before, I believe it's July of next summer, it might be September, don't quote me on that, um, they will be able to stay on the pay-as-you-earn plan. They're not going to kick people off of the pay-as-you-earn plan. They're just going to stop new enrollments. So if you have loans prior to 2014 or. Maybe thinking about going for that long-term taxable forgiveness. That's something we should probably talk about, because that that might be an, uh, uh, something that we want to look at shifting you onto that pays you were in planning earlier, so you might kind of get stuck. And all the other plans are 25 years instead of 20 years. So, um, and then the income contingent repayment. That's that's for a smaller demographic of people, but that's been really helpful program for a lot of our clients who maybe have been out in practice for 10, 15 years, and then now realize that they're really close to the public service loan forgiveness because of all these loopholes, uh, but maybe their income's really high right now, we were able to get them on the income contingent repayment plan that actually could justify a lower payment for them. So um, so those, those two are going away, but not until next summer. So if we want to get on those, um, now is kind of the time that we want to be looking at that.
0: Got it. And I think I heard too that um, there's something called an on-ramp program. What is that?
2: Yeah, so this uh, this is kind of where a lot of the controversy is coming from, with uh, you know, with a lot of the new legislation that came out on this. So, essentially, this new on ramp program, how it's defined in the new releases from the Department of Ad, they're, they're essentially saying that if you just don't make a payment on your loans all the way until September of next year. They're not going to ding you on your credit. They're not going to put, throw you into default. Nothing's really going to happen. So uh, effectively some people, some commentators are even calling this like, you know, another way that they're extending the forbearance period (laughs) without actually extending the forbearance period. But there's some key differences though. So I don't want people just not making payments, right? Because I don't, you know, I, I would be, unless there's some new, new data that comes out on this that you can get credit for public service or for long-term taxable forgiveness. I would not count on, if you're not making your payment, um, I would not count on that being a a qualified month for any sort of forgiveness program. If you're not making your payment Um, and interest is still going to be accruing. So Um, that's going to be, you know, your interest is going to be accruing on like the forbearance period where it's been a 0% interest, you know, throughout this whole time. So, um, so pros and cons, but I'm sure there'll be some, you know, sexy titled uh, articles that are going to say people like, Oh, here's a loophole. You don't have to pay, you know, pay on your student loans. Um, tread lightly with, with that sort of stuff, because there are some, um, but until we get actual clarity that that could, could count, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on it.
1: So I think there's also some issue about losing out on that repay and then switching to like the IBR or the pay strategy or something like that. Yeah, so
2: there's there's one one strategy that we've taken for for a lot of our uh, our resident clients or, or folks going through through training um, that might be going for like a longer term taxable forgiveness, and so this is mostly for our folks that have a really high student loan balance that we're going for the long term. Um, you know, all of the income driven repayment plans count for each other. So if you've been on five years on one of them. You know you can pick up right on you know five years in on another one and that'll still count towards your 20 or 25 years of forgiveness um and so what we would often do is we would put people onto the revised pay as you earn plan to get some of those interest subsidies and then just right before the finish line or before you know it didn't it made sense we could switch them back over to pay as you earn before the 20 years is up and they would, it's kind of a safety net to get, you know save on a lot of the interest and then therefore less taxes for you too. But so they caught on to us apparently. And they, uh, they actually are now only limiting. If you want to go onto the repay plan, because there's so much great interest, you know, savings in that plan, they're limiting you to five years on that plan before you can switch over. So if you can, if you want to switch over, you know, if you, if you, Go more than five years on repay, you can't switch to one of the other repayment plans at that point. So they kind of they get they're they're trying to crack down on that strategy specifically. So uh, very you know minuscule, but we do see a lot of people that have been on that, and we want to make sure that we're getting people onto the right programs um, during that timeframe as well.
0: All right. Well, Mike, thanks again for going over all of these big changes with the Supreme Court decision. And now that we're starting to see how exactly this legislation surrounding student loans is going to play out. Um, I guess though, for our listeners, probably the big question everybody has on their mind is, gosh, reality is about to set back in and these payments are about to turn back on. What do I need to be doing prior to these turning back on in, you know, whether you're counting September is the timing of starting interest or October is the time of starting your payments back.
2: Sure. Yeah. So. Three three big things that you know I want to make sure everybody's doing. First thing is a lot of people have swept this under the rug for so long <laughs> and just not even looked at it. Um, make sure your contact is up to date on studentaid.gov and your loan servicer. So make sure you, if you've moved institutions, if you started new jobs, you don't have the same email anymore. Make sure they know how to get a hold of you because you're going to need to know about these updates and if they're letting you know about you know different changes to your loans. Um, make sure that we're uh, we're updating that on the studentaid.gov site and your loan servicer. Um, Also, obviously, most of our clients have moved to a different loan servicer at this time um, throughout COVID. And so you're likely going to need to link your bank account information to your new loan servicer. So make sure that you're logging on, you know what your payment is um, and making sure that you're linking that account. And then on that, while you're on the loan servicer site, the third thing is just to check what your payment is. That's going to be due in September, October, because now's the time. If we need to make any changes, now's the time that we want to be making those changes to make sure that we're reporting the most advantageous income for your to lower your payment or take advantage of these interest subsidies. So, uh, but be very cautious not to just automatically recertify your income. Um, they're going to make it. Very, very easy for you to report your income. And for a lot of people, that's essentially shooting themselves in the foot because many of our clients might have still been in residency, you know, back in 2019 when, you know, their, their last reported income was and they might be able to keep a two, $300 payment for a whole nother year, year and a half without having to report their attending salary at this point. And so if they were to go in and report their, you know, to four hundred thousand of income, you know, that's a big difference than the sixty thousand dollars of income. So um don't just automatically recertify off of that. Um so that's that's gonna be a kind of a big a big thing. But and that kind of jumps into you know one of the um call them loopholes that we have is you know, over the summer here, you know, we see a lot of our, our clients um Taking a time off or have a gap, like uh, you know, we were talking with uh, Nate you and Faye, and I kind of have a little bit of a gap time here. Um, it's also a if there's, it's a great opportunity to look at recertifying your income because technically, if you are unemployed at this time as long as there are no taxable streams of income coming to you and you're not technically employed by anybody, um, there's ways for us to report your income as unemployed. And that could also drop your payment prior to loans turning back on. So um, if you're married, we might have to factor in your spousal income, depending on how you guys filed your taxes last year. But especially with all these new interest subsidies, definitely something to take advantage of. And so reach out if you're in that kind of situation. We can see See if there's any any ways to maneuver that for sure but
1: so i know michael you started talking a little bit more about like those loopholes at the beginning like that was part of our learning objectives can you give us like some more tips and tricks and things that we could be on the lookout for
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the other things, you know, outside of, you know, really trying to, you know, look at recertifying your income potentially during times of unemployment um, is just, you know, a lot of our clients may be, maybe signed with a a private practice and you're just kind of like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not going for the public service loan forgiveness program anymore, you know, kind of resolved to just paying the loans off. you know, you might want to really look at uh, more hardly at some of these, this new save plan as a way to reduce your income or your interest that you're accruing on the loans while you pay them off more aggressively. So uh, if we can report your income or artificially report your income lower during, you know, for a year or two out, because a lot of our clients going through transitions, you know, will have a, you know, go from residency or fellowship and then into practice, but oftentimes into practice means halfway through the year because of the academic year. And so that, you know, for 2023, a lot of our clients are going to have half resident or fellow income and half, you know, attending income. And so we also have what we call the transition year of artificially low income. So we have almost two years that we can report a lower income than your attending income. And so depending on your loan balance, there's oftentimes interest subsidies now, and especially since there's no zero unpaid interest, you know we might just want you siphoning money to an aside account or towards an investment down the side. Just, just to and then bulk pay once you can't get any of those interest subsidies anymore and it's a, a way of almost a quote unquote refinancing but staying with the federal government and you know lowering our interest rate during that time so that's something that we want to be looking out for and then one of the other biggest ones is just for anybody who has worked for a qualifying institution for the public service loan forgiveness program um, maybe even before medical school you know, we've seen some of our clients um that have lo- like that had undergrad loans, maybe had a couple undergrad loans, and then maybe took a year or two and like worked as a research assistant or something along along those lines. Um, and they were working for a qualified institution, but even if they hadn't, even if you hadn't taken out the medical school loans yet, um, if we, there's a way that we could potentially consolidate some of those loans and they take the longest of the loan history in the bunch. And so there's ways for us to potentially get credit for some of those years, even before you took the med school loans out, as long as we take action before this at the end of this year now. So we've seen a lot of folks scoop up another you know year or two, um, some way more than that. Um, that has been really a big big savings for for a lot of our clients. So definitely keep an eye out if that uh, falls into your situation.
0: All right. Well, this has been super comprehensive and helpful, as always, Michael. Um, Remind us again how we should get in touch with you.
2: Yeah, no, my pleasure. Lo- love doing these with you guys. And so, yeah, if anybody has questions on this stuff, we're more than happy to do, you know, complimentary, no obligation kind of review, look at your situation, see if we can help out. Um, feel free to shoot an email over to our team. It's just Foley, Team F-O-L-E-Y-T-E-A-M at NorthStarFinancial.com. We'll throw that in, in the show notes, I'm sure. And then uh, we'll also put a scheduling link if you want to book a time with, uh, you know, either myself or one of the other advisors, Hannah Floden, that's another certified student loan professional on our team as well. And we're happy to take a look and see how we can help. So
1: awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Michael, for coming onto our show, giving us all this great information once again about student loans. Um, so once again, everybody, this is Faye. This is Nick. And this has been Creative for Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, go ahead and go into your favorite podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Give us a five-star rating and review.
0: You can find us online on Twitter at CriogsOverCoff1, on Instagram and Facebook at CriogsOverCoffee. Or if you love the show and want to support us, head over to patreon.com slash Send us some love and we'll send you some swag.
1: For show notes for this show and all of our other episodes, as well as the Rosh Review Question of the Week, go ahead and go onto our website, www.criogsOverCoffee.com.
0: If you have a question for us, a correction to this or any of our prior episodes, have a suggestion or just want to say hi, email us, criogsOverCoffee at gmail.com.